And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Monday, October 23rd, and we are trying to help you make solid, better, maybe um, not the best, better financial decisions. We're trying to hear what you want to do and kind of reflect back to you what your options are. That's what we do here. Mark and I are both certified financial planners. We love hearing your stories. If you want to join us, all you need to do is go to jillonmoney.com, click the contact us button. Let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air. I'm going to go straight to listener Carl, who's on the line from Seattle because he persisted through technological issues and now joins us. Hello. How are you? Thank you for being patient with your technology. Yeah, no problem. First off, just want to say uh, thank you to you and Mark. Uh, I've listened to you guys now for a couple of years and uh, just, you know, really enjoyed uh, the kind of more the long form, you know, where I don't feel like it's been rushed. It, it's interesting to hear. And I just I appreciate what you guys do. Oh, that's so nice. We appreciate and we appreciate you. So what brings you to us today? Well, uh, there's been a lot of changes in our family over here over the past three years. Seattle's changed a lot. I mean, I've lived here my whole life. Uh, so has my wife. And I've been married for 27 years now, I think, here. And uh, 20 years ago, about, we, my wife and I sat down and, you know, met with a financial planner, uh, really more of a stock guy at the time. We kind of laid out, said, okay, you know, we want to retire by 50. What's that going to require? Um, and we kind of really laid out a plan. And at the time we said, okay, we need to come up with about $3 million outside of retirement so that we could span the gap between traditional retirement, meaning 401ks and social security and stuff like that. So that, you know, we would have basically a brokerage account to draw from during those years. So we kind of laid out a plan and, uh, and then 2008 hit, um, Mm. and I watched all these people on the news uh, that, you know, were quote unquote retired and all of a sudden they had to go back to work. And so mm-hmm. I, I looked at my wife at that time and I said, you know, I don't think 3 million is enough. I think if, you know, if something catastrophic happened and, you know, and we lost half our money for some reason, I didn't want to be back jumping back into the workforce 
at, at the wrong time in my life. And so I said, I think we need to increase our, our brokerage account to more like $5 million, which seemed unsurmountable at the time. But <laughs> over, but over the years, uh, you know, we, we've been very frugal people and, uh, you know, just saved everything we could possibly save. And, uh, and also we were uh, blessed in 2021, uh, both of my parents passed away um, and they had left us an inheritance, which basically at that point we were, we were already, you know, had several million dollars, but this, this uh, really accelerated our, you know, our savings. And so, mm -hmm. and I had been working with my, my parents for the last probably five years to really consolidate their, their investments and different things. And it, it made a big difference in their account just by doing that. And uh, so that helped a lot. And then, you know, and then over the last couple of years, obviously COVID hit, you know, we generally are very uh, conservative people and Washington state uh, has become a very unfavorable state to anyone that has conservative common sense. And so we just, you know, we looked at all of this and said, you know, is it time for us to leave basically, mm. uh, you know, and so, uh, and then also our daughter was going to school in University of Montana, uh, and she told us that she wasn't going to come back to Seattle. There's so many things kind of pulling us away from this area that we, 2021, we sold our rental house, we sold our personal residence, and we purchased a house uh, over in North Idaho. And then, you know, the 2020 elections came around, and I was worried about the economy, and so I, you know, the idea at the time was I was going to close my business and, you know, we were all going to be happy, happily ever after in Idaho. But, you know, my, my security bone kept me from leaving work. And so I have now been commuting back and forth to Idaho from, from Seattle Dude, uh, for, the come last, on. for the last two years. Uh, <laughs> and so. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's like you're, I don't remember who that guy, the caller was that you said you were going to get hate mail on and yeah, you know, you're going to be one of them. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things though, where you, you spend so long saving that, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where you, you become fearful of losing everything you've worked for. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I do feel like 2008 was a mess and, you know, we paid off our house in 2010 and we started all over at zero. Uh, because we took, you know, 250 grand, which was all we had at that time. We paid off our house and we started over with investing because we, we really had, we liquidated everything we had and paid off our house. All right. But let me, let's get, let's get to the nut of this, Carl. It's a beautiful story of all of your anxiety and your craziness. Let's talk about today. First of all, how old are you? Uh, 51. And your wife is also? Yes. You, and, and you are now doing this crazy commute. How much do you earn? It varies a lot, but uh, I would say between 500 and 700, 700, 700, 800. I mean, last couple of years, it's been around that. But I, but, you uh, let's know. say 500. Let's like, yep. let's be like uh, conservative. OK. Yep. yep. Does your wife also work? Uh, yes. But how she, much is she, she doesn't earn that much? I mean, maybe 30, 40 grand a year. Do you have kids? Uh, one. How old? Uh, 24. And that's the one in Montana. Yes. I knew you had kids. I shouldn't have. I, I meant to say, you know, like, how old is your kid? So I apologize for that. And she's launched. She's good. She's launched. She's good. Uh, let's talk about the assets that you have accumulated. Uh, combined uh, IRA accounts. I, I thought I'd just combine all this. Uh, combined mm -hmm. IRA accounts is around 800000 
Mm -hmm. uh, brokerage account is about five and a half million. Say five and a half million, right? Yep. Yep. See, this is where you're, if you want to send hate mail, start here. Continue. Yep. yep. And then private equity uh, investment, which we made, which is kind of a big unknown piece of this, is one point three million. Okay. And then cash is about one point four million. Okay. If you were to be, you know, like live your life happily right now, how much would it take you to live your life happily right now, just in terms of your expenses? Uh, everything we could possibly think of doing would probably be around two hundred grand. Okay. I mean, even then, we probably wouldn't spend all of that at all. So is the question at this point, how do you actually have the comfort level in knowing that you could potentially use your, I mean, forgetting, even if I mark down, let's just mark down your private equity because it's illiquid and I don't know who you invested with, but let's just pretend that out of the 1.3, you get 500 out of that. Just it would be terrible, but let's just pretend that's what would happen. I mean, their, okay? goal, their goal on that was five to ten times return, but whatever. Let's just pretend it sucks, okay? And you like you like that. You like that kind of scenario planning. So you're telling me that we have we have six million dollars that is in a brokerage slash PE. Then we have one point four million in cash, and you have this eight hundred grand in the IRA account, right? That's what we got. The place that you bought in Idaho, how much is that worth? Uh, about 900 Paid for or mortgage? Uh, paid for. Okay. Is there any other real estate that we should be thinking of? I mean, we've talked about probably, we've talked about purchasing a, purchasing a house off of maybe over in Montana, but I mean, we don't have any major plans and we don't need to. We've also talked about uh, helping our daughter purchase a home over there. Mm. So that's, uh, that's on our okay. list. That's fair enough. I get that because that, that seems kind of reasonable to me. So let's say, let's just pretend here. Let's say that you've got this cash of 1.4. Let's leave 400 in cash no matter what. You know, two years of expenses. Why not, right? So you're saying to me, on my 7 million, Jill, what do you think I can really pull out of that without blowing through everything and also absorb what will likely be ups and downs? Is that, is that essentially our question for the day? Uh, yes. And I, I have some other questions too, on kind of how to span the gap between now and age mm -hmm. 70, basically. Okay. But I got, yes. I got answers for you, baby. Don't worry. But are you a worker? Like, are you going to freak out anyway? Like, is there any way that you could just make 200 grand a year doing something, not commuting and doing this crazy schedule? Well, I'm, I've, I've already uh, committed to my wife to say the next year, um, I, I'm going to work one more year for sure. Uh, but I'm going to try to pare back my work. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, the only way that I earn this kind of money is really it's nine months a year. I'm working seven days a week. It's right. just, you know, it's a construction business and it's, it's just, you know, uh, the only time it's slow is January and February and the rest of the time of year it's go, 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 go. Okay. But like, if you're saying to me again, and, I, and you'll, you'll eventually collect social security, but could you have um, a withdrawal rate? Meaning like, could you pull out a certain percentage every year and not run out of money? The answer is yes. You know, you know how you've, you've probably heard of this thing like a withdrawal rate, 4%. I don't even use four, yep. right? So even if you use three, that's the right number for you. That gives you your 200 grand, does not include any social security or anything like that. It sounds like you're kind of a nervous, like, you know, this, like you're in construction, 
you run scenarios all the time. Yeah. You're familiar with numbers. You know these numbers work. So what is it that's getting you stuck is like the fear of like, oh, crap, I cannot withstand big losses. Now, even if you had a big 2008, 2009, right? Let's just, let's say we did. You'd have two terrible years and then markets started coming back. And as long as you didn't have to invade the principal, as long as we had the two years of your expenses, even if you wanted to have three years in expenses, maybe that would make you feel better. So you have, you know, of your 1.4 in cash, maybe what we say is, ah, you know what, forget it. We'll have a 600 in cash going forward. We'll take the 800, we'll invest it. But I mean, I don't see there being a big problem here, except that you're freaked. And the way that we make you kind of unfreaked is you work one more year, but then you figure out a way that you can do something in your local market where you're making a few shekels. So it doesn't feel like you ever have to invade this money in as dramatic a way. By the way, when I did your quick calculation back of the envelope, one thing that I did was, so if you work one more year, you're 52, let's say you're 53 and you're done. Let's also presume that at that time you're making, you and your wife together are making 150 grand a year. You think you could do that? You got to be able to do that. Well, yeah. I mean, part of my plan was the, with the private equity when it does sell was to, you know, purchase probably a, a piece of commercial property or something that would generate yeah. some revenue, basically. You could, or you could just, you'll, you, you'll, you're going to figure out how to do something. Between the two of you, if you made 150 grand a year, that would put you in the 22%-ish tax bracket, to, but maybe not. We'll have to see what your brokerage account generates tax-wise. I would be using the years between, say, 53 and 70, I'd start pulling money out of your, um, as soon as you could, like at 59, we'd start pulling money out of your IRA account. We'd start to liquidate that over time so you don't have to have any distributions that are mandatory. And you would somehow figure out how to stop driving yourself crazy with all your money. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I, and I realize the numbers, but, I, you know, also looked, you know, in 2021 was an amazing year. 2022 was down a lot. This year has been flat. So I just kind of look at, you know, and I, I've changed uh, uh, money managers a couple times in the last five years. And, uh, you know, and I feel like they all kind of say, well, we protect you from the downside. But and I, I have a, a meeting set up at the end of this year to kind of, uh, you know, review all that and say, well, you know, shoot. You, you know, even this year, you know, there was a time when it was up. So I, you know, do do people that have, live off of a brokerage account, essentially, you know, I've heard you can set up a steady paycheck type thing. Well, I wouldn't need that. But I mean, you'd kind of wait for a time of the year when the account's up and you just pull some money out and that's you're done for no, the year. No, because that's market timing. So what you could do is you could, you know, essentially what I would do is that at some periodic moment, you'd pull the money out that you need for the following year. Okay. So that might be, for example, I know a lot of people do this in December. The reason why is that they say, I'm going to do my tax loss selling, right? I'm going to the brokerage account. Most of your money's in a brokerage account. I'm going to look at the brokerage account. I'm going to see what tax loss selling I could do. I'm going to see how much money I need to either reallocate or how much money I need to just replenish the money I need for the year ahead. And look, I know you have like stars in your eyes about, about the private equity. I would just be really careful. I really want people be. have told me that just, I mean, it doesn't mean that it won't, I hope it works out because by the way, if you put 1.3 in and it, forget about 10 X, it's four X, three X, you're going to stop worrying. Right? So I think that 
you have a situation where you're freaking yourself out. And I think it's good to some extent because you're 51 and, you know, a lot of things can happen in the future, but you've done the hard work. So the reason you're freaked out is you're scared that you'd have to invade this big brokerage account at the wrong time. The best defense against that is to keep a little income coming because you know what? If it's a bad year or two and you only needed 80 or 100 grand out of this account each of those years, it wouldn't hurt so much. And you have enough cash buffer to get through those bad times. The private private equity, how is that taxed? Is that capital gain? When At the time when that finally sells, is that a capital gains being that it's been more than a year? Do it you know? is usually long-term capital gains. Okay. Okay. I was just curious about that. The other thing I, you know, I currently have everything in a living trust. I mean, one of the, I, I looked in a few years ago and as far as liability goes, you know, I feel like, you know, the more money you have, you become a target. Yes. Um, and so, but it seems like the only thing that really protects your assets really is more of a revocable trust. But I didn't like the idea of a revocable trust because then any money you pull out is income rates versus capital gains rates. Wait a second. Are you talking about an irrevocable trust? Because a revocable trust is like a living trust. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry. I meant, I meant an irrevocable yeah. trust. I wouldn't do an irrevocable trust for you yet. Too much stuff can happen. So does the trust itself protect against liability or what What do you recommend? Yeah, I mean, a trust should protect against liability to some extent. Do you have a big, huge umbrella policy also that's um, attached to your homeowners? Yeah, we have a couple million dollars in number. Yeah, don't worry. Unless you're like doing something horribly nefarious. I, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I had talked to uh, this current financial person a couple of years ago and one of them, because I've kind of been planning on unplugging here for probably last three years. And so one of the things he mentioned was a 72T. And so I was wondering, would it would it make any sense for us to take the IRA accounts and put those into a 72T? And then basically we would draw off of that and completely not touch our brokerage account. And, yeah. and I thought, does this tax-wise make sense? I, well, I, it only makes sense if you're in a lower tax bracket. So if you're saying... The way that I would do it, it's like this: you could do it at 59 and a half or you could do it now. All right. You know, and you could say, I'm going to take 10 years, 12 years, spread it out over some, you know, some period of time. You take the money out and you pay the tax on it. Anything that you pay is going to be a cheaper rate than what you're paying now. So I would do that. But I'm not sure. I'd, I mean, like you can wait till you're 59. It kind of depends what you're going to do going forward. Well, that's why I wondered if there was a tax benefit to waiting till I'm 59 and a half versus doing the 72T. And I feel like and, the 72T is like a little bit. It, it's There's no disadvantage of doing it. It's like a paperwork thing. You just have to make sure you do it the right way. It's a question of how you get the money out of that that retirement account without paying too high a tax rate. I think that if you're going to really like take a chunk of the money out and do something with your daughter, I'm a little bit less um, inclined to say like this is a no brainer. In other words, I think you would only do that if the private equity was liquidated and turned out to be a winner. I wouldn't plan on doing that right this second. Well, yeah, she and I have kind of an agreement anyway that uh, once the private equity sells is when we would help her with the house. Good. Perfect. All right. And she gets a very small house or she gets a great house. <laughs> yeah, she's she's pretty she's pretty tight with her money too. So she she, <laughs> she comes by it naturally, by DNA. 
All right, Carl, uh, go count your money. Thanks for the hate mail prompt. If um, you guys want to write the hate mail, just send it straight to Carl. I'll send you his email address. And then uh, Carl will field your questions. Look, everybody, we all have money issues. Seven million, seven dollars. It just take a zero to cut a couple zeros off and you'll feel this. You'll feel okay. It's easier to hear it. If you've got a question, go to jillonmoney.com. Click the contact us button. Let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air. And if you'd like to subscribe to Jill on Money, you can do so on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Do something nice for someone else today. Really, just maybe it's just don't send that hate mail. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.